Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we are brought to you by our partners at solve for y uh, Some solve for y stuff coming up. Uh, first, this May 24th through 26th in Las Vegas, software for y is having its first MTT Academy. Uh, if you're planning on playing any events in Vegas this summer, I uh, highly recommend you check out this Academy. There's a link to it in the show notes. I'll be there. Matt Berkey will be there. Who else do you really need? Uh, yeah, I highly recommend checking that out again in the show notes. Uh, further, SoftwareY is going to be launching a poker training website. Uh, it's going to be really, really cool. A lot of Just Hands content. If you want to be a beta tester, uh, and that'll probably come up in the next few weeks, send an email to applications at SoftwareYAcademy.com and use the subject beta test training site, uh, and they'll get you hooked up. All that information, again, is in the show notes. We're trying out a slightly new format today. Uh, if you have any feedback, or you like it, hate it, we'd love to hear, uh, you can send me an email at jack at justhandspoker.com. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and enjoy this week's episode. Good afternoon, Zach. Good morning, Jack. So we are going to mix things up today. I may have leaked this in the announcements a few weeks ago. I don't know if any of you guys actually listen to the announcements. Hopefully you do. But yes, we are going to change the format a little bit today. Uh, not every week, but we're going to introduce a couple of new formats just to mix things up, see if we can add a little intrigue to what is a podcast that's been going on for coming up on like two and a half years, right? We started in December of 2016, right? Or is it 2015? I think it was 2015. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, coming up. So we've been kind of doing the same thing for a couple of years now, and we enjoy it. We know you guys enjoy it, but we're not bored. But let's uh, let's see if we can you know, keep things fresh. And so what we're going to do this week is Zach and I are actually going to compete. So here's how it's going to work. I picked the hand. I haven't done any serious thought about it, but I picked the hand. So I'm going to give Zach the opportunity to either go first on the on preflop and the turn or on the flop and the river. And the way we're going to do it is whoever goes first is going to give their opening statement. The next person will have a rebuttal or perhaps an agreement with elaboration. Then the person who went first will get an opportunity to make a few additional points and we'll go on to the next street. And keeping score will be our editor, Young Man Coffee. And Young Man Coffee is going to assign a little ding or something to signal uh, who got a point. And there is the possibility for a negative point if, for example, Zach forgets who's in position or something like that, uh, what the stack sizes are. So there's a possibility to lose a point. But after the editing process, I'll come back on, say who won, and we'll go from there. So hopefully you guys enjoy this. We're looking forward to it. Get a little bit more competitive juice into the podcast. Let's do it. So Zach, would you like preflop and the turn or the flop and the river? This is a three-street hand. I think the GTO move is totally preflop and flop. So I'm going to take that. And you I might have preflop and the turn. Oh, oh, the options preflop and turn. Yeah, you either get preflop and turn, or you get flop and river. Oh, do I lose a point for? misunderstanding <laughs> that's up to young man coffee <laughs> yeah let's go let's go pre-flop and turn all right still think, still think specialist. still think it's the gto move well we'll see so i'll be doing the read 
I won't get any points for reading the hand. Only points for positive comments. We don't have to necessarily be right. It just has to be constructive. All right. So we are eight-handed. We're getting this hand from the Motor City Casino in Detroit. This is at a 1-2 game. Uh, so we're eight-handed. Hero is a mid-20s rec player, break-even 1-2 live player, about one to two sessions per month sporadically. Uh, recently beginning to spend more time actively studying to improve his game. Just hands listener since early 2017. Awesome. So you're, you've been around for the last year and a half or so. Uh, welcome onto the air. Thank you for sending the hand. The main villain is an older man wearing a light jacket and a sweater. Uh, no reads on any player types. Does he These have are the, the color? First two, the color of the jacket. Of the, of the, the jacket? Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, wow. I know. He's been listening from early. We really need a complete hand history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is some bullshit. <laughs> so this is this is literally villain's first hand. So hero bought in for the max two hundred, and the main villain covers by five dollars. <laughs> Here's preflop. Under the gun limps. Hero is under the gun with Jack Ten suited. <laughs> What's your suggestion? My suggestion is to raise. <laughs> bada bing bada boom Zach takes the lead <laughs> do you want to elaborate at all perhaps rack up a few points before I, I take the floor <laughs> damn sure so I think the hero should raise because jack 10 suited is a hand that you're going to want to play with the other players at your table and when you're under the gun you should be primarily raising if not exclusively raising and I think Jack-10 suited belongs in this range. Uh, you're going to be dominating your opponent's calling ranges. You're going to have the initiative. Let's raise it up and, and get playing. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Zach. Uh, I actually... So I think it's fine to have a limping range in these types of games, especially 100 big lines deep. That being said, I think Jack-10 suited is exactly not the hand to include in that kind of range. These suited connectors, I think they benefit a lot from narrowing the field because the way these hands tend to work is you know occasionally jack 10 is going to flop like a really strong hand like two pair or something but a lot of times what it's going to flop is either a pair with like an okay kicker or some kind of draw whether it's like a gut shot or an open-ended straight draw or a flush draw and so you're going to touch the flop in some way a lot so if we're heads up or three ways we're going to be able to press our equity very often with initiative versus uh if we limp and end up, you know, five plus ways without initiative, we're going to have a piece, but we're not going to be able to do very much with it. Like if we flop a gut shot five ways, we might be able to make a call, but we're not going to be able to leverage very much fold equity. This is just the, the type of hand where we want to build a pot to see bet very profitably on the flop at a high frequency. I would definitely suggest raising and raise enough such that you think you're going to get folds from most of the table uh, with this hand. Anything to add, Zach? I just wish I explained it better so I would get more points. <laughs> this whole points thing is, I really like this incentivizing. It's nice. It keep me keep me more honest. All right. So Hero does follow our advice, raises to $10, which I think Zach and I would both agree is probably a little bit too small for these games over a limp, but I think it's fine. We don't need to... These little elaborations won't get points. So villain in the low jack calls, hijack calls, 
cutoff folds, the button calls, the small blind fold, the big blind calls, and the limper calls. So it looks like we're six ways to flop. So Villain writes that there are there's $51 in the pot. I think it might be more. Unless this game is raked very heavily, I would say there's $60 in the pot. And we get the interesting flop of 10 of diamonds, 6 of spades, 5 of clubs. Under the gun checks, and so my turn here. This is a spot where you should be betting. When you get called, you're often not going to have the best hand, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't bet. It's unlikely for your opponents to have very strong hands here. It's possible they could show up with a set, they could show up with some two-pair. But very often, they're going to have hands that have some equity, maybe an overcard, maybe two cards, maybe a gut shot, uh, maybe a weak pair. They have equity they're going to be able to fold out. And when you're in a six-way pot, basically, if you can get four opponents to fold you know, random cards, you're going to have done very well. And so I would suggest starting with a bet. And based on the stacks and based on the fact that you have initiative preflop, I would actually be sizing thinking that when you're faced with a call, you may be able to bluff shove some turns. So I would pot it here, maybe a little less, maybe just bet 50, and understand that you're in a multi-way pot, your opponents are going to play very face up, you're most going to get called by 10s, occasionally some hands like an open-ended straight draw. Uh, if you see a raise, I think you can just very comfortably fold your hand, and that's how I would navigate this pot to begin with. I would just Start out with a bet, probably around $50. I guess it's just nitpicking. I, I agree with your reasoning, but think that you know 40 or 45 might be a better size. In these kind of like one-two games where people can really show up with a lot of hands, I'm generally like, when I'm value betting, picking definitely picking a sizing on the larger side, but picking a sizing where there's a really good chance I'm going to get called by like all pairs and most draws, where when you get to 50, I think it starts to you know, the pain threshold starts to really add up for a lot of these people with 6-7 or even like a 3-4. But like at 40 or 45, just mentally it feels more attractive. So I, I'm going to go with 40 as my size. That's my final answer. So basically, my what I'm trying to accomplish with this flat bet is I actually would, I would not mind seeing 6-7 fold. 6-7 doesn't have quite the right price, I think, when you bet 50, so maybe it's better if it calls by a little bit. But I really don't mind seeing that hand fold. It has reasonable equity against our hand. And the problem is, I just don't think we're going to be able to follow up with a turn bet for value very often. I could see the reasoning being, we want these hands to call to later bluff them out of the pot and get them to fold their equity. But I think there's more bad cards when we bet 40 and we can't necessarily continue our plan than when we bet you know, 50 or even 60. So basically, I don't disagree with you that I could, I could imagine against certain opponents at the table, it being better to have them call 6-7 for 40 than you know, bet 50 and maybe risk them folding a little bit more often. But one, they might call for 50, which would be definitely better than having them call for 40. And they might fold, which is fine too. And I think any turn bet is going to be a bluff. And so we just have to decide, like, would we rather be bluffing on 
the turn against this wider range or get a lot of our folds on the flop. I think your strategy is very reasonable. I think it might be best. But I think the, the main thing to emphasize here is that you should be betting here to clear out equity. And if you continue on the turn, we're really starting to get into the range where we're more so bluffing than value betting. So I think it's very unlikely you're going to get called by worse on the turn. Anything you want to add for, for no points? What do you mean for no points? Yeah, I, I think saying that we would rather... Like, I, I just don't think it's as close as you're saying with 6-7. You know, I think we definitely want 6-7 a call. We don't mind them folding to some degree, but we just, like, greatly prefer a call. So I think that's what we should be trying to do, like, maximize our value from worse hands that are willing to call us. And, and don't think it's that close. So what are we going to do on a 7 turn? On a 7 turn, I think we're going to we're gonna check evaluate. Mm-hmm. Seven, seven is like, seven's not a great card for a calling range when we're betting 40, you know? I think if we bet 50 on, or even 55 or 60 with a seven turn, I think we probably should be check evaluating as well. Especially in one, two, people are going to play really face up. And I, I'm going to feel pretty comfortable just like check folding to a big bet from, you know, most of the players I'm playing with. I think it's reasonable. This actually this leads nicely into the turn action, which is your your street. So let's let's continue with the hand. Uh, Hero does bet. He bets thirty dollars into what he's he's claimed is fifty, but strikes me as sixty. So he's betting about half pot. Our main villain in the low jack calls, and then we get fourfold. So hijack folds, button folds, big blind folds, under the gun folds. So we're heading to the turn with, I'm going to say, 120 in the pot and about 160 in the stacks. And just before I turn it over to you, this this SPR is part of the reason why I think betting bigger was, was best. But yeah. So we're on the turn. The turn is the five of diamonds. So Zach, uh, how do you want to approach this street? It's an interesting card. I'm pretty sure I want to bet the hero only bet 30 on the flop. So I think it's realistic. There's like, you know, a decent amount of six X definitely both open enders are possible. I don't know how many we could maybe discount all three, four offsuits, but I think, you know, in this type of game, we might see the main villain show up with seven, eight offsuit here and there, and almost certainly play seven, eight suited this way. Uh, and then for the 30 price, you know, this guy's older, so maybe discount it a little bit more, but I wouldn't, completely rule out, you know, some gut shots. And then we have, you know, worst 10x that's still in the pot. So I think what we should do is, you know, bet a size that we can probably get called by those hands or, you know, put them in kind of like a rough spot. So betting a little bit on the smaller side. How much should we say the pot was? 120 with 160 left in the stacks? Yes, 120 in the pot, 160 in the stacks. Okay, so I think we should bet like 50. So I think with the assumption that a villain is going to have, okay, basically I, I actually, I disagree here. I don't think betting 50 is going to be very helpful. I see a few problems with it. The first is that I actually think villains range could be stronger than you think here. So 
I think the most likely hands for villain are Jack-10 through Ace-10. Those are hands I think he's very likely to call pre-flop, very likely to call in the flop. If he has a hand like 6-7, 6-8, those are hands, yeah, he might call in the flop. But if he's calling those, he, he's probably, he might also have some fives. And so that's not good. You know, this is one, too. He could have an overpair. Uh, he could have a slow-plate set. This is a board where I think people can slow-play some hands. So I think we can't eliminate hands like five six fives sixes so basically i just don't see i don't see villain showing up with enough worse hands relative to the better hands he has to want to bet 50 very much villain is going to have seven eights too but when we bet 50 those are like making probably a pretty plus cv call like we might go ahead and fold on a a four river or a nine river but or whatever it is yeah nine river you know that's that's not a huge victory. So basically, I just think the range that calls us, or the range that showed up on the turn, has more equity than Jack-10. Like, So I think when we bet 50 and don't get any folds, really, or only get folds from maybe the hands that are like way behind, like 6-7, six, 6-8, six, we're, we're losing most of that $50. So, you know, with, with SPR, I would prefer to either... I don't mind check-folding. I think check-fold is fine. We're risking a lot shoving here, but I think shoving is a reasonable play. We still have all the overpairs, and I think we could probably get this opponent to fold hands like King-10 or worse at a high frequency. So I think shoving is reasonable. You know, I w- would prefer... It'd be nice to have a hand with a little bit more equity against uh, hands like Queen-10 or King-10 if they do decide to call, but... I see check folding or shoving as likely more plus EV than betting small. I just don't think that we're up against a range that's weak enough to bet small and hope to get called. Yeah, that's just where I disagree. I think for a $30 bet, we are up against that range, especially blocking other 10x. So I feel, uh, yeah, feel good about this $50 bet. So I think you, you might be underestimating, like, the impact that having a lot of offsuit tens versus maybe fewer offsuit sixes is going to have on this situation. Those offsuit combos just add up way more quickly. And so his queen 10 plus is significant. And sure, this could be just the kind of guy who just kind of like plays everything. But a lot of people don't play like 10 8 offsuit, even 10 9 offsuit. They don't play necessarily 6 8 offsuit queen six offsuit and also this guy like we we were six ways on the flop i mean i know this is one two and it was thirty dollars but i think you might be underestimating like how frequently people are folding in this situation but that's okay i respect your opinion neither of us have been playing a ton of one two lately so we can agree to disagree i, I think the the range we're up against has too much equity to bet into you think the range is plenty weak enough to go ahead and value bet again. And I think that's fine. This brings us to the river. We have 210 in the pot. The river is the deuce of hearts. And yeah, I guess we have like 110 in the stacks. And sorry, we actually have 220 in the pot for what it's worth. But basically... I don't think your hand is strong enough to shove for value. 
so I think you should check fold. I think the range that your opponent is likely to go ahead and shove on this river has you crushed. Players of this state don't strike me as very likely to go ahead and bluff shove with like missed 7-8 here. So I think you can just expect a lot of the hands that you have beat to just check back and hand you the pot. Don't think that they will necessarily call a bet. I, don't, I just don't see A6 like getting stubborn for three streets here. So I would check fold. Agreed. All right. So not much to say on that street. Hero did decide to shove, and the villain called him with ace-10 offsuit. So unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily tell us very much about whether Zachariah were, was right on the turn. Like if he checked back king-6 suited, then I would be ready to concede that Zach was definitely right here. But I think we both would have assumed that ace-10 offsuit might be the most likely hand for him to show up here, or the hand that like he would never, ever do anything else with. I actually, I mean, actually, he could occasionally raise the flop with that hand. But all right, so we are going to have Young Man Coffee tie the points for us. But before we go away, I'm going to read Villain's thoughts about the hand. Uh, so Villain writes the description of the thought process at the table. He said preflop, standard open, in early position. Agreed. Flop, continuation bet to realize equity from top pair and from backdoor flush draw and fold out speculative hands. I like your thinking here. Turn, continuation bet to protect top pair equity against drawing hands and overcards. Keep sizing on the lower end to have a convincing river shove. Here's where I think we start to diverge. Zach, do you want to say anything about that statement? Nope. Okay, well, I, I'll go ahead and say something about it. I think if you're talking about having a convincing river shove, you're, ta- you're saying that you're going to want to bluff the river. And if you want to bluff the river, then betting small to set up a half-pot river shove is not something I'd recommend. If you think you can get these hands to fold, I think your best bet is just by jamming the turn. And so the river is a half-pot shove for thin value against paired missed draws and Broadway hands. That doesn't make sense to me. So we were setting up a convincing river shove, which implies that we're going to be trying to get better hands to fold. Broadway hands either aren't playing this way or beat us, or chop with us, but yeah, we don't beat any Broadway hands that are at all likely. And I don't think a paired missed draw. A lot of 10x of diamonds beats us anyway. I don't see 6x of diamonds just like stationing here. So I think you need to rethink your turn and your river plan and think more critically about are you trying to get hands to fold, on the, especially on the river? Like, are you trying to get hands to fold, trying to get hands to call? Are the hands you're value targeting at all likely to call? I would say in this case, no. So yeah, analysis asked for the fact. He writes, in retrospect, my particular top air hand is too marginal to go for three streets of value out of position. Agreed. So many so many potential combos in villain's range specifically hit top pair on this board and outkick hero. And even rolling out over pairs, there are still trips, boats, and one combo of quads ahead of me. I should have placed more of these hands and fewer draws and air into villain's range, given the relatively dry board and the fact that I can discount overcard hands almost entirely once I'm called down for two streets. Uh, I think you can basically discount them on the flop. If you'd gotten to the turn and the turn was like an ace, I would have said, for sure, shove. Ace-10 wins, sure, but I think like you can just get almost everything else to fold. So which street makes sense to give up the initiative on this hand? I'm relatively confident my flop bet was a correct spot to continue. Checking the turn would have let any two cards check behind and bluff profitably when an overcard peels off on the river. 
So I'll also stick by the turn bit. So I, I think the issue with this thinking is that overcards hit your give up range on the turn pretty hard. Like I don't see a villain just like checking back seven six on the turn and then yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about that thinking or that doesn't that thing doesn't make sense to me in terms of your opponent representing overcards on the river. I think that's unlikely. So I, th- I actually think checking the turn is fine, but if you think your opponents can have a lot of worse hands along Zach's thinking, then I would prefer to bet. Even a little larger. But yes, Villain writes, I think a river check was the best call here, with the expectation to fold to a shove from Villain pretty comfortably, even at only half pot. It feels too exploitable at first blush, but given just how little of his remaining range and being by the river, a lay down there starts to make sense. Plus, I'm sometimes saved the anguish when he checks back King-10 or Queen-10. I totally agree with you here. Big fan of the show, he writes. Love the depth of analysis in the conversation. Keep it up. And we absolutely will. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, Zach, any closing thoughts? No, I think, uh, you know, good bets on the, the flop and turn. Maybe we could adjust sizing a little bit. On the river, it makes it good to be consistent with our reasoning throughout the hand. Yeah. Yeah, it's important to get rivers right because it's the street where the most money goes into the pot. So uh, I would say work on your river play. You know, the river is a unique street because hands, for the most part, either have zero equity or 100% equity uh, relative to one another. So, yeah, making sure you you get that right is going to be really important. And it's a, it's a unique street in that sense. So I would definitely put some study into river play since you're starting to get into studying spots um, more so generally. All right, Zach, thank you for joining me. And thank you guys all for listening. Look forward to hearing the results of this competition. If you guys have any thoughts about if you like this, if you hated it, if you want it every week, if you you know are never going to listen to the show again because of this, please write us an email. You can send it to jack at justhandspoker.com. I look forward to hearing from you guys. And yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Hey guys, Jack back here with the results. As I'm sure you guys know, I laid the smackdown on Zach this week, uh, took it down with a final score of 33 to 14. Uh, I don't know what that means. Maybe Zach and I have need a little bit more stake in the game, perhaps some charity bets or something along those lines to keep things interesting, keep Zach on his game. Uh, but for now, I'm your champion. And as your champion, I thank you very much for tuning in and look forward to uh, sending you guys some more content next week and beyond.